You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. This is Marcy Davis, your host, and Whistle, my service dog, my co-host. And we're so happy to be with you today on Pet Life Radio to talk about our favorite topic, working dogs and working animals. And today is part two of our series about assistance dogs, where we've been talking about the whole life cycle of assistance dogs. And we're going to continue that conversation today and talk about the specific tasks that assistance dogs can do for their people and their human partners. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and hear from our sponsors. And we'll be right back after these quick messages. So please come right back and join us. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Marcy Davis, author of Working Like Dogs, 
and my co-host, Whistle, my service dog. And we're thrilled to be with you today to continue our conversation about assistance dogs. And we wanted to start off today by talking about the specific tasks that assistance dogs can do for their human partners. And as you remember from part one, we talked about that there are four basic types of assistance dogs. And those are guide dogs. And we always think of those as guide dogs for people who are blind or who have low vision. And hearing dogs are dogs that assist people who are deaf or who have hearing loss. And then there are service dogs, which help people with mobility limitations, like myself. And then there are medical alert or seizure dogs. And those are the types of dogs that help people who have different types of seizures or psychiatric needs that also can be a medical problem or conditions of chronic pain. So there are really these four types of assistance dogs. And we're going to talk a little bit about the tasks that they can do because I'm always amazed at how they can be trained and how these are very different tasks that they do for people depending on their disability. So the first we're going to talk about are guide dog tasks. And I'm just amazed that how they can help people to negotiate unseen environments. And their main focus is to help the individual maintain safety and independence. And their tasks or their duties are grouped into three primary skill categories. And those are obstacle avoidance, signaling changes in elevation, and locating objects. And what's really cool is as the trainers are learning more about assistance dogs and the different tasks that they can do, they can actually combine some of these tasks because I know some people who are both blind and who are wheelchair users and they have assistance dogs that perform guide dog tasks and do all of those different categories of skills that we just mentioned in obstacle avoidance and signal changes and locating objects, but they can all also do the other things such as retrieving items, helping the person transfer out of their wheelchair and the other physical tasks because the big difference between a guide dog and the other types of assistance dogs is that guide dogs make decisions. Whistle, as my service dog, does not make any decisions. He performs the tasks that I request of him. And he knows how to do all of those tasks, but he doesn't decide to do them. He waits for my command. And that's the same thing for the hearing dogs. The hearing dogs, they perform tasks such as alerting an individual with hearing loss or someone who's deaf to specific sounds. That also includes they know basic obedience and they have public access manners as well. And their tasks are grouped into two primary skill categories that are alerting their person to specific sounds and then other possible tasks. They can also, again, do some of the retrieving and some of the other things depending on what the individual with the disabilities needs are. Because most people who are deaf, they don't have any other physical limitations. They can walk. You know, they can do the mobility 
accessibility just fine. Their need is specifically based on their hearing loss and their hearing disability. So it's really cool how these, usually they're smaller dogs that work with people with who are deaf or who have hearing loss because they don't need the physical mobility types of assistance that someone who uses a cane or who uses a wheelchair might need. So the third type of dog is the one that I know the most about, which are service dogs. And those sets of tasks that they need to be a, a service dog are the general obedience the public access manners, and then the assistance to people who have a wide variety of mobility limitations. And those types of limitations, all different kinds, that can limit a person um, based on their level of energy, based on their pain levels, and then their dependency on loved ones. And it could really help a person to prevent injuries, and also to help them if they're in a crisis situation, if they've fallen out of their wheelchair, or if they're having some kind of medical need, then all of the service dog can do all these tasks that can be grouped into the following categories that can respond to those needs. They can do such things as retrieval-based tasks, carrying-based tasks, which is carrying things in their mouth, Deposit-based task, which is putting things down. Tug-based tasks, which is, for example, tugging to pull off um, a sock or a jacket um, and helping a person to dress or undress. They can also do nose and nudge-based tasks where they can use their nose to do certain things. They can also use their paws to do pawing-based tasks. For example, when Whistle needs to go find my husband Franz in the house, he'll find Franz and he'll take his paw and touch Franz. And then Franz knows that he needs to come with Whistle to find me, that I need help. The other task that they do is called bracing-based, where the dog becomes very rigid and braces themselves so that I can push and pull on Whistle. That's how he helps me to get in and out of bed. When I need help transferring, I give him the brace command, and he becomes really rigid, and I can push on him to then transfer safely from my wheelchair onto the bed or onto any other surface. They also do harness-based tasks. Whistle also, with his commands, can make himself very rigid, and I can pull on his harness, and he can actually help me turn over in bed, which is really cool, because I don't have good balance and can have a hard time doing that, but Whistle can help me with that. They also can do assistance in crisis situations with medical assistance kinds of tasks. And that starts to get into our fourth category, which is the medical alert and the seizure dogs. Because the seizure dogs, they have a set of tasks that are useful to individuals primarily with hidden disabilities. You know, it's easy to see a person with a disability who uses a wheelchair or who uses a cane or who is using sign language. And you can really identify that, yes, that person has a disability. But there are lots of disabilities that are hidden that people who have psychiatric disorders or people who have mental illness, and you can't tell that they have a disability. Because the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, it actually covers over 900 disabilities. 
So we think of people with disabilities as those main ones of blind, deaf, and mobility. But there are over 900 disabilities that are covered under the ADA. And medical alert or seizure dogs can respond to a lot of those needs. They can respond to people who are, who are prone to seizures, to people who have various medical conditions and issues that they may need assistance, including post-traumatic stress disorder and other types of mental illness. So those types of dogs really focus on tasks that can assist people with hidden disabilities. And I know I've talked with people with these different types of disabilities, and they say, you know, people question them as to why they have a dog. And because when people look at them, they don't see that they have any type of disability. But these dogs can do tremendous things to help individuals calm down, to get into a safe position. They can help them to get seated. They even can lie down over the person to keep them from getting up and getting into an unsafe situation. So, and I've asked trainers, how do you train a dog to be a seizure dog? How do you do that? And the trainers that I have talked to, which are some of the best in the world, have told me that they can't train the dogs to be a seizure dog. What they do is they assess the dog to see if they have the ability to identify when a seizure is going to happen. And so I always think that's so cool that the dogs are the ones who know how to do this and the human trainers have to figure that out. But it's just the most amazing thing in the world to see a seizure alert dog in action and to see it save the life of its, of its human partner. So people always ask me, what kind of commands does my service dog do? And how do I communicate with them? Well, it's really cool because... There really is a language, and Whistle has over a 100 commands that he knows. And he knows a language, and I am trained to use those words to get him to assist me. And as it was really cool because when I got my first dog, I had to learn all the commands. Ramona knew them all, and Morgan and Whistle, my, my successor dogs, have known all the commands. It's my responsibility to educate myself and what he knows and how to communicate with him. So, like I said, there are about a 100 commands. And another really cool thing that the trainers do is they teach me how to use those commands and tie them together in order to get Whistle to be able to do other things for me that I might need that he wasn't necessarily trained to do. For example, at night, I have to lay in bed and put these boots on my legs for circulation. And I have to lay there for an hour every night. It's so boring. But I have my wonderful, trusty assistance dog with me, Whistle. And sometimes when I'm laying there, I want the remote control to change the TV. And my husband will have put the remote control over on his bedside table where I can't reach it. So I know how to use a series of commands to get Whistle's attention and to get him to look for what I call the clicker, which is the remote control. But Whistle can listen to what I'm saying and follow those commands so that I can lead him over to that bedside table and get him to get that remote control for me and bring it back. 
So it's so cool. And he's so excited when he does it because he knows that he's helped me and he's done something that was out of his comfort zone, that was out of the commands that he normally uses, but we link them together to get him to do what I needed help with. So when you start working with a dog and you get commands, you get a list of the commands. And they start out pretty simply where you have to start using your dog's name because you have to use your dog's name to get their attention and to let them know that they need to focus on you and also so that you can call your dog if you're in need of assistance when your dog may be in another part of the house or or may not be right at your side. And, you know, that sounds really simple, but one of the things about having a service dog is that, you know, the dogs aren't robots, and they help you because they love you and they want to help you, but there's really no other reason for them to do that other than they are amazing, pleasing creatures. So you really have to build a rapport with your dog and bond with your dog and build that trust so that when you call their name, they come and they know that you need them and that you're going to appreciate what they're doing and you're reciprocating that relationship because not only are they helping you, but you in turn are helping them by feeding them, by grooming them, by meeting all of their needs. So I have to meet all of Whistle's needs just like he has to meet my needs. And it's definitely a reciprocal relationship where we help each other. So in learning how to work with each other, there are all these hundred commands um, such as heal, where it tells Whistle that he needs to be on my left side of my wheelchair. Right is where he's on the right side of my wheelchair. But I always like for Whistle to be on the left side because the control for my wheelchair, my power wheelchair, is on the right side. So it's really comfortable for us, for him to be in that heel position all the time. And then when he's standing next to me and he's not doing a command, he either needs to be sitting which is another command, or he needs to be in down, in the down position. And that was down was a little tricky because that is the command for him to lie down. It's not for him to get off of something. You know, if a dog jumps on you or jumps on something, people say, get down, get down. But that's not the command for that. The command for him to do that is off. So, you know, again, it's learning all these commands and learning the language to communicate with him. Because another thing that Whistle is trained to do is he's trained to climb up onto my foot plates, which he stands up on the foot plates of my wheelchair so that he can actually hand things to me. So that if I can't reach it, he can actually get closer to me to give me something that he's retrieving or to enable me to dress him because I have to put his backpack on him every day. And if he can step up on my foot plates, that makes it a lot easier for me to dress him. So again, it's using these commands in a lot of different ways to do a lot of different daily activities. 
So some of the other commands are, of course, there's a downstay. There's a wait command where I tell Whistle to wait as we're crossing a barrier or a threshold going through a door. I was staying at a hotel last week at a conference, and the hotel door closed really quickly. So I didn't want to get Whistle's tail caught in the door. So Whistle has commands where he can pick up his own leash, and it's it's get the leash, and he picks it up and puts it in his mouth. I opened our hotel door. I told him to go through, so he goes through the door, and then I told him to wait where he's supposed to stop and wait after he goes through the threshold. And then I would tell him to sit and where he would sit and wait for me to roll through the door and get our door locked. And then I tell him to come to me and give me his leash. So he would come and he would put his leash on my leg so that it was easy for me to reach. And then I tell him to drop it, which is another command where he then knows that he's supposed to let go of the leash and give it to me. So again, it's tying all these commands together so that we can be active and do the things that we need to be doing in public, which I just think is so cool that the way that the agency set up all of these 100 commands so that you can really function out in public. And it's lots of different things, like, for example, the command of take it, which tells Whistle to pick something up. And bring, which tells him to bring something to me. Or hold, which means he's to hold on to whatever he has retrieved for me in his mouth. And also he has commands such as right and left. So that as we're out in public and we're navigating and negotiating tight spaces, it's really easy for me to communicate with him and which what I need to do, which way we need to be going so that he and I can really stay in sync with each other. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about a few more of the service dog commands and some other information about assistance dogs. So let's listen to these important messages from our sponsors and we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. No, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. 
Pet Planet magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Marcy Davis, and my co-host, Whistle. And we're talking today about assistance dogs, and we're in part two of our series. And we're talking about the different commands. And I've been sharing with you a lot of the commands that, that Whistle can perform. And another really cool, there. well, he has, as I told you, a hundred cool commands. But another one that he does that I just love is called up give and that's the command where when we are out in public shopping and there's a counter that's high that I can't reach whistle is trained to jump up on that counter and actually to pay for things for me I can give him my credit card or I can give him cash and he can actually jump up on the counter and I tell him up and give where he gives the credit card or the money to the store clerk or whoever is working behind the counter. And then he can actually take the bag from that person and give it to me. And he can jump down and give that to me. So it really makes me more independent and helps me interact with the salespeople so that I can reach and do the things that I need to do if I physically can't reach it, that Whistle can help me reach it. And one time when Ramona and I were traveling to Miami, we, because once I got Ramona, I started traveling by myself, which I had never done before in my life. And she and I went to Miami and we were going to rent a car, a rental car. And I went to the counter and it was the highest counter I've ever seen in my life. There was no way they could even see the top of my head as sitting there as a wheelchair user. And so they were totally ignoring me and everybody else was going ahead of me and getting their rental car. So I had Ramona jump up on the counter and I told her to speak, which is to bark. And so she jumped up there and she let out the biggest bark. And it was so great because all of a sudden we got their attention and they came to assist me then and I was able to get my vehicle. But, you know, counters can really be intimidating for people with disabilities and can really make you feel like nobody wants to help you. But when you have this service dog that can assist you with that, it's just so cool to watch people's reaction. And it's also really cool to be independent and be able to get the services that you want or need. 
So there are lots of different commands, as I mentioned, some of them for navigating. There are lots of different commands that I use to tell Whistle when to stop, when to slow down, because sometimes, depending on where we are, Whistle will get excited and start going too fast. And so he has a command called Easy that lets him know that he needs to slow down. The other cool thing that Whistle can do is he can pull my wheelchair and he can actually pull me through places that can be really difficult for me in my manual wheelchair to push long distances like airports, which are really can be, as you know, can be so long to get from the check-in counter to your gate. So Whistle has a command called move. And when I give him the move command and I hold on to his, to his harness, he knows to pull my wheelchair. And then I can tell him to slow down by giving him that um, easy command. And then he knows that we're going a little bit too fast. So it's just so cool how you can connect all of these commands to really interact in all your daily activities. And then you can also learn to other commands that you can teach your dog. For example, for Ramona... I had in one of my wheelchairs briefcase holders and it was these really cool things that popped out on my foot plates that would let me rest my briefcase on them. But the problem was is I couldn't flip them back up once I got into my office and didn't need them to be out anymore. So I taught Ramona, Franz and I, my husband, we taught Ramona how to take her nose and push those little extensions back up. And it was so cool. And we taught her that with peanut butter. We put peanut butter on the bottom. And it was really amazing how quickly she learned to do that. And we created a command for it. And then she started doing that for me. So I didn't have to ever worry about that anymore. So it's just really amazing all the different things that once you learn the commands, how you can build on them and really expand your dog's ability to help you. I mean, it's just really awesome. And especially the longer that I've had a service dog, you know, because I've had one for over 16 years now. So I really have learned how to maximize their abilities. And I've also learned the things that really stress them out and how to deal with that as well. Because sometimes you can really get into stressful situations with your dogs. And there are ways to help de-escalate that and to help them be more confident and stress-free and stuff like giving them the watch me command or the settle command, which really tells the dog to calm down. It's okay. And then also there's a free command, which tells your dog that it's released from any command. And that means it can play. It's okay. It's, you're free. You don't have to be working. You can run around and be a dog. So it's just so cool, all of the different commands and the combination of all those commands that really help you to be more independent. And, you know, the limit really is your own imagination for asking your service dog to accomplish something because really they don't have any limitations. They are so awesome. They can really figure anything out if you're willing to be patient and work with them. 
So people always ask me, what are the standards? What are the behavior and training standards for assistance dogs? Well, you know, that's really hard because the ADA is really pretty flexible. It doesn't really say what those standards have to be. So there is a group that has formed called the Assistance Dogs International. And that is a group that all of the agencies that train service dogs and that place service dogs with people with disabilities, a lot of those agencies belong to this. And that's one of the first questions I ask an agency. Are you a member of Assistance Dogs International? Because that group publishes the minimum standards for assistance dog training programs to ensure the highest level of performance, behavior, and quality and training and assistance dog performance. So I always ask people, are you a member of Assistance Dog International? Because if they're not, then that's a little concern for me that they're not a part of that community and that they're not, they may not be adhering to those standards. And if you want more information about Assistance Dogs International, they have a website, which is ADI Online. So that's ADIOnline.org. And it's all lowercase. Or you can Google Assistance Dogs International. It's also really cool because there's also the International Association of Assistance Dog Partners. And that's what I belong to, which is actually the group of people who are recipients. So those are really two of the leading organizations that are out there that really set standards and really work with organizations and individuals to make sure that animals meet existing standards for behavior, training, cleanliness, and appropriate public behavior. Because the worst thing in the world is to violate public access. And when I say violate public access, I mean for an assistance dog to be out in public and to act inappropriately. Because that is really so important that we honor those behaviors in public. You don't want your dog barking. You don't want your dog toileting in inappropriate places. You want to keep your dog on a leash. You don't want them wandering around. You want to be respectful of the general public and of public places so that we can maintain the safety of the general public and the safety of people with disabilities, but also so that we can maintain our public access. Because so many people have worked so hard to win that right for us under the ADA to have access to public places that we certainly want to honor that and don't want to jeopardize that by having our dogs act inappropriately. And under the ADA, you can actually be asked to leave a place if your dog is acting inappropriately, if it is doing some of those things that I mentioned, and if it creates an unsafe environment for any individual, then you can be asked to leave. And so we really want to make sure that that doesn't happen and that we respect and honor public access rights. And I know for my service dog agency, one of the things that Whistle and I have to do is every year and a half, we have to get recertified by our agency so that we can maintain our public access. So what that means is that we have to go through all of those 100 commands 
We have to do it in my home, and we have to do it out in public. And the agency sends my trainer over, and she comes with a video camera, and she videotapes Whistle and I doing all of these different commands, and then she sends it back to the agency for them to review, and if they're happy with our performance, then they will reissue our public access ID for another year and a half. And I have to do that every year and a half until Whistle is retired. And I really think that's awesome because not only does it make sure that I, uh, Whistle and I are working well together, but it also gives them documentation to follow Whistle to make sure that he's in physical condition that's well enough to perform the tasks that I need. So when I tell people, you really want to ask your agency their policies because you want to make sure that there's this follow-up where they are following up with you and making sure that you and your dog are really in a you're healthy you're qualified to be out in public and having public access so i've just enjoyed so much sharing this with you today and telling you about my experiences and about the information that i've learned over the years about assistance dogs so we're going to continue these conversations and talk more about are you eligible for a service dog and have you thought about all the different things to prepare yourself for having a service dog. So we've got lots more to talk about, and we look forward to doing that with you. So we hate to say goodbye, but we will say goodbye for today, and we hope that you'll come back and join us again at Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we want to say a special thank you to our sponsors for enabling us to be with you today. So thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you again. Talk to you soon. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.